you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I am your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I have got an exceptional guest on the show this afternoon. So Sandra is uh, an executive and transformational coach who works with broadcasters that want to grow, retain, and upskill their talent. Uh, She is best known as the Millennial Coach. That's D-A, the Millennial Coach, and host of her own podcast, which we'll be talking about later on, called The Core. Welcome to the show, Sandra. Thank you so much, Robin, for allowing me to be part of your show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here on a guest. And uh, coach to coach as well, I know that we're going to have an exceptional conversation today. Obviously, when we chatted off air last time, we had a lot to to talk about. So um, one of the things I want to um, dive straight into is just um, uh, a very simple concept around having a focused mindset, which is something which you talk a lot about. So what's the importance? What's the value of having a focused mindset? Well, I think that's a twofold question because we're talking about both the coach and the coachee. So focused mindset from a coaching perspective is really understanding what the coachee needs and how you're going to get them from A to D, not B because B is too easy to get to. So having a focused mindset is knowing your craft, learning the tools and the methodologies and how to get your coachee from fight to flight which is what, you know, we want people to do. But from a coachee perspective, coaches, the mindset is to be ready to be coached and be open to coaching because your mindset can't be um, focused if you're unsure or you lack confidence in who's going to coach you as well. So that's quite important because that relationship is the ethos or the, the, the foundation of the success of the coaching relationship. I think it's remarkable. It's like coaching is a very um, uh, competitive space, isn't it? In this day yeah. and age, you know, there's, I'd say probably 10 times at least the number of coaches as there were 10 or 15 years ago. And so what that means is, the, I would say, you know, and this is slightly controversial, the quality of coaches has actually kind of gone down in many people's opinions. It's very hard to find a good coach these days, isn't it? I have to not even second that. If I could quadruple times a thousand that. Um, one of the things is with, I would say, the increase of coaching is because being an unregulated industry, you don't normally get checked to see if you have the credentials. You don't normally get checked to see if, you know, you've got a really good background. And a lot of people are good at the gift of the gab, let's be honest. You know, you can say the best things to an organization, they'll believe you. And for some reason, that's a placebo effect where everyone else thinks you're great. One of the things that I have as a coach, for me, I do, I have trained coaches in the past. Um, it's very important to have confidence. And also you've got to continuously learn about different techniques and bringing that into your um, practice. It's a problem to have so many coaches because if you don't, as a coachee, if I'm looking for a coach and I haven't done the research, I may just go and find somebody to potentially change my life 
But essentially, we've got to think to ourselves as people who are looking for coaches, that could actually damage your life. And I've heard people highlight that they've had a coach. I've had coaches who I haven't thought were very good, forgetful. Um, you're paying them almost £500 for two hours or an hour. And they don't want to have a phone call with you. They don't want to do follow-ups. That's a problem. And I think it's, you know, for me, coaching is not about the money. It's about the transformation. And it's really about the impact that you have that is long-term sustainable for the coaching. Because you're recommend, you're, you being recommended as a coach is something that is invaluable. And it also demonstrates the skill sets that you have in order to help sustain change. One one of the things which I think kind of really stands apart the good coaches from the the you know moderate or not so good coaches um, is their confidence and their ability to deliver as well. So one of the things which I tell a lot of the the people on fearless businesses. If, if you're at a point, so we work with a lot of coaches, consultants, freelancers, but if you're at a point where you're not confident enough in your ability to be able to offer a 100% money back guarantee, if you don't get the results, and I don't mean guaranteed results because nothing's guaranteed, but the perceived, you know, you talk about the transformation, but the perceived results, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You shouldn't be coaching people. And I get challenged on that quite a lot because they're like, oh, well, you couldn't possibly offer money back guarantees and things like that. And I'm like, well, I do because I believe in my my ability as a coach to be able to get results. If I don't believe in the results, I'm not going to take that person's money. And over, you know, we've worked with, um, you know, about 250 clients now over the last couple of years. We've had to give two refunds. And I no problem, no shame in admitting that. Um, one of those clients, we did absolutely everything by the book and we just could not get her over the line. We couldn't create that transformation. And you know what? I felt bad about taking her money, but I had a very strong suspicion that, um, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was a bit of a, cause you mentioned about the coach and the coachy relationship there. It wasn't just about our framework that we were using. Mm. It was actually her, um, how she was as a coachy. And I just think she was just so fixed in terms of how she was going about her business. I, I think she would have struggled with anybody. So I said, here's your money back, but please, I wouldn't spend that on another business coach. I think actually you need to go much more down the, maybe the, softer, the yeah, therapy or mindset route. And that would be a, Anyway, she she went and spent the money with another business coach, hoped to, you know, absolutely trans, you know, because it was very much, she was very passive in her approach, thought that just buying a coach would um, get her the results. And hey, presto, didn't work out. Now that coach kept her money. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, hmm. so I feel I've done the right thing by myself and by the client, but that coach, I, you know, it, it kind of um, puts our industry a little bit to shame, I think, when you hear stories like that. I get commissioned by companies to go in to coach other organizations they bring on board. And I had a multi-million pound advertising agency and coaching some of the senior team. And then we were going to have different tiers of coaching the managers, then some of the staff. But the senior team became very problematic. There was a lot of, in my opinion, very poor leadership and bad management of their behavior in workshops. Um, and they got to a point where I actually confronted one of the directors and I made it, I said to him, I actually was contemplating whether to join you for the second day for the workshop because your behavior was so poor as leaders in the, on the first day. And then eventually I actually said to the company that my belief system and values are not in line with the organization in which you brought upon uh, you know, brought into your business that I think I'm going to remove myself from coaching these people. 
I think it's very important as a coach to have a level of integrity and to ensure that you work with what your belief system is. And this is the reason I talk about money. I have a money mindset, but I don't always believe that it has to be solely in coaching. I'm a multifaceted individual like everybody on the planet. And I've learned to tap into a lot of the skill sets that I have. I come from a creative industry. My background, I've worked for Discovery, Disney, National Geographic. I've worked um, for Disney. I've worked in the Middle East um, in TV. So this is where my foundation started. And I never allowed barriers, whether it's female or racial, to stop me progressing. But when it comes to coaching, it is your behavior, it is your mindset, and it is your focus. And if I'm unable to, like you, to, to penetrate that person, I actually am very confident to tell them I no longer, I can no longer work, continue to work with you. I think it's very important for a coach to stand in their truth because you can't facilitate change when you can't penetrate, but then willing, unwilling to give you who they are. And I say this to everyone I coach, if you are not open to the process, it's not going to work. And when you're coaching from a business perspective, sometimes personal issues in the coachee's life is impacting their progress in their professional life. And I had this experience with um, a leader in Leeds and we kept working. I kept thinking, you've got to be, as a coach, your intuition is a huge part of what you do. So I kept saying to myself, something's not right. So I just stopped. I said, right, we're going to stop for a bit. I want to have a chat. So I asked personal questions about their home life. And then I discovered some personal stuff had gone, gone on. So we worked through that. Once we worked through it, she was able to make the necessary changes, but she also was open to being vulnerable. And like Brené Brown says, vulnerability has to be earned. And this is why the trust factor in the relationship is imperative to how you coach and transform people's lives because if they can trust you with something very personal and confidential that's a huge win for a coach huge yeah I had um, something very similar to that kind of happened it was um it's actually very because I've only been coaching for five years so I'm probably a relative novice compared to you but um I had somebody very early on um when I was kind of um sharpening my sword so to speak and for whatever reason she cancelled three initial consultations with me this um this one client but my normally I kind of see that as potentially a red flag you know if a client repetitively kind of you know because it's there has to be that sort of um uh boundaries and mutual respect and things like that and especially that early on early on in the relationship my gut instinct said no no you need to see this woman you need to find out like what you know what's going on there's something bigger at play here and um we we sat down to do the initial consultation it was very very the fascinating part was she just wanted to get straight into the business side of things and i said listen we've got there's an elephant in the room here we need to discuss mm-hmm. something you you cancelled three consultations on me before we sat this one it was two consultations this was the third one we were sitting so i said what was going on and um and I said, be honest, just, you know, we need, I need to understand because it means that I, I have more freedom here to be a, a better coach to you if I can understand what was going on within that. And, um, and she turned around and said that she, but on t- both occasions, she had to go in for chemo. She'd just been diagnosed with breast cancer wow. at 29. Wow. So my gut instinct was right to see it through. And I think a lot of coaches, um, they're too, I hate to say it, this is going to sound awful, but they're too busy chasing fucking money 
to yeah. take the time to be really interested in the people that they're actually coaching. And I don't think that's just coaching. I think that's service client businesses in general doing it question, for the wrong reasons. The question I'm going to propose to you is the fact that they're chasing money, are they good at coaching? So maybe they're not, they're not coaches, they're just salesmen. Yeah, basically. And that's the problem is I feel frustrated with the industry in this country because somebody, I was talking to someone who's come on my show before and she's an accountant. She owns her own company, works for herself. And we talk about, because we both have autoimmune syndrome. So we talk about working for yourself with an illness. And um, she had somebody who was not making even a dime of profit for their business and all of a sudden she was a finance coach after about two, three weeks. And so this is why it's important to do research. I have an MBA. I also have an MA in executive coach, and I also have a degree in journalism. I started my career off with Billboard magazine and CNN. So for me, I've had to go through the trenches. I've really had to work hard to get where I've gotten to. And it's when people say I'm a coach, and then you ask them about different techniques or methodologies. You might talk about well-formed questions. You might talk about, you know, future pacing, anything like that. And somebody can't even give you a response to you talking about methodology. Then to me, the whole purpose of what you're doing, there doesn't have, there's no foundation. And I think that's a disservice to the coachee. And I think that's a disservice to the craft and to people like you and me who are actually putting our best foot forward. And when we are teaching coaches, I'm very tough love as a coach, but with empathy um, and the work, the, t- the type of mentors that I use is Caroline Mace, um, Brené Brown, Byron Katie, and Iyana Van Zandt. And those four particular, and unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but they are all women because, and they all speak my language. I do, I do think um, John Maxwell is fantastic as well. Um, so I, and also Bob Proctor, he's quite fun, yeah. um, you know, but it's, it's a case of taking best practice and, and creating your own practice that really stimulates the mindsets of your coachee. Because what happens if you're a good coach and that particular lady in Leeds, she kept saying to me that question um, that you, you asked me, I, it just keeps going around in my head because it's now you've penetrated them. And one of the sayings that I have for my coaching business is, um, you know, once you feel, you start to heal. Um, I currently do some mentoring and coaching with African entrepreneurs. And they, one of them, she's in Ivory Coast and she has a library. And when we first started, she had no business plan. She had no strategy. She didn't even know. She knew she had limiting beliefs, but she wasn't sure what they were. I got an email that I read today um, that she's doing some of the worksheets from Byron Katie that I sent her on doing the work. Because as a coach, you've got to stay up to date, but you also need to make sure that your coaches get the most up-to-date methods in order to help them transform. She said lots of stuff is coming up for her. And she's absolutely terrified and petrified. But in her terror, she has got the American embassy, Spanish embassy. She now has um, successful, famous authors who are interested in being part of her project. That's just us working for two months. And that's not that many sessions. You know, when you see people transform, I've seen somebody go into a job, be in a job for, I don't know, 13 years. I've worked with them for a couple of weeks and they now have a different position. They've had a position created for them in the organization. They now speak up 
they don't have the fear that they had. And that's just because they started to see things from a different perspective. But if you can't do that as a coach, there's work for you to do. It's not the coach's fault that you're not a good coach. It's your fault. And one thing we don't do is a lot of people, this has nothing to do with coaching, this is humanity. We don't own our shit. We don't take ownership of the things that we do wrong. We like to spend time, you know, blaming others. And the one thing I will never do, if I make a mistake, I will always own it. Yeah, same, same here, hundred percent. And you know, again, like that, that was me when I, you know, offered that refund to that client. It was that was me saying, you know, best will in the world. Ultimately, we're not going to be able to get the result here. And mm. I, you know, I, I um, as a coach, you know, when I just started out again five years ago, you always have that sort of bit of imposter syndrome floating around there. I mean, I I call myself a business coach, but really, I'm probably more of a mentor. But a lot of what I work on with with clients is very much practical, tactical. It was really um, when I discovered Byron Katie and the work. Um, it was really sort of eye-opening because it took me into the world much more sort of mindset coaching, which, um, you know, I guess any element of coaching is around mindset, but it was much more of that emotional um, side of things about how we project our thoughts, feelings, and emotions on the world, you know, when really that's what's the, you know, facing the internal struggle, which is going on there. Um, and it was the nice thing about Byron Katie's approaches as well. It's, it's like four steps. It's such a simple framework that any, if I can pick it up, Sandra, like any coach can pick it up, right? So <laughs> you can pull it into it. I've been able to pull it into kind of the practical, tactical side of what I do from a coaching perspective. And I think, like you say, having those simple tools at, tools at your disposal and frameworks to use and sort of draw upon at the right time. I just think a lot of co- coaches are just quite lazy and a bit arrogant they think they know it all they've done they've done it their way for so long and so they forget that actually you're dealing with a business owner here who needs a broader perspective yeah yeah, broader perspective for sure what what, what you're saying i think is quite important you remember you know kiss can keep it simple stupid now life i always say this to everyone life is very simple it's us that chooses to make it hard so we've got to always remember this, that we've got to keep it simple. It's like for me, I'm not a girl that likes loads of toppings on ice creams. I like it simple because life is simple. And when you're talking about the work when it comes to Byron Katie, I think the first thing every coach and also coachy needs to look at is learning how to forgive themselves. Because there's a, that's one of the biggest barriers about growth is you don't, there's parts of you that you are not willing to allowed to breathe because of shame and you're unwilling to be vulnerable and I think that level of forgiveness and in relation to what you're saying about Byron Katie's the work I would also add another layer onto that and also I've got the book here Colin Colin Tipping so I don't know if you can see oh it's it's, yeah fading in and out oh there we go radical forgiveness yeah so if anyone has time to um read that as a coach that probably can help you let go of some of your stuff because coaches, what you said about ego, ego is very positive, but also, but we use it most of the time in the negative. I am very nervous. I'm very shy, but if you know me face to face, I'm very, you know, jovial. I like to have fun, but if it's something, you know, where I'm doing a lot of professionalism and I have to be in front of a large audience, I'm a human being. I'm very nervous and very shy. But if my, my ego is saying to me, cancel, 
that's a negative side. But the positive ego is saying, this is something you're passionate about. You've got a message to give. Spend time and use the platform wisely. So that's the ego that I go with. But when you're a coach and you focus on the level of ego that most people have, to me, again, you're doing your, your audience a disservice. You're showing them about how fantastic you are, but you're not showing the coachee how fantastic their future can possibly be. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's a dis- bit of a disconnect. Definitely. And that's what the work does with Byron Katie. The work allows you to see where your limiting beliefs are. And also, if you were not to have those limiting beliefs, what would your life look like? That's how simple it is. If you, and this is where future facing as a methodology is what more or less um, Byron Katie uses is what, what if you were to do this and the same as um, Colin Tipping with Radical Forgiveness, there are sheets on his website. You can use that to learn to understand what is holding you back. Your ego is what is holding you back because if you're embarrassed by something, it's your ego that's telling you that to be ashamed of it. And this is why being vulnerable with someone you trust is allowing you to move, as I say, from A to D to get to Z. But you've got to just shift. You've got to move. And one key thing, this is something someone said to me recently, be in a room with somebody who wants to work with you. So when you're talking about, you know, a coachee, you wanting to work with a coachee or not, that's important for you as a coach. You've got to decipher if that person is of the substance you're able to create your cake with to get a good outcome. Yeah. One of the um, sayings which I, I kind of took on board when, I, um, when we built Fearless Business was um, always be the coach. So it's one thing showing up in a, in a room and being able to coach a client but also are you actually coaching yourself and also are you showing up you know um to the best of your possible abilities when you're around your family your friends and other people who maybe you don't know and things like that and I know we can't be perfect all the time but even even to the point of um you know if something does go wrong we'll reflect on it and pull something positive out of it and um again that was something which Byron I've done the whole episode necessarily to be about Byron Katie's wanted to be about Sandra but um um you know, one of the things which I took away from sort of um, starting to understand the work that Byron Katie talks about is that um, my, my seven-year-old understands it. So I'm able to have a conversation with her and mm-hmm. kind of start to ask questions about, well, is, is that, tr- is what you, you know, what you've just said, is that really true? You know, do you, do you absolutely hundred percent believe in that and or believe it to be true? Um, and then, and then it was really telling when um, I kind of said, well, listen, it's stop. If you were to stop thinking that, like what, if you were to, if you didn't have that thought, what, what would you feel like? And immediately you could see just the stress just washed over her, just something to do with school. And it's, it's so simple, so effective. But I think one of the things that we're fooled by, and this is my point and my question back to you, is that we, we actually live in a really complex world of, of online, offline, social media. We've got COVID and everything going on at the moment. And I think it's so frenetic sometimes that we forget to, to, to focus on ourselves and do a bit of work on ourselves. Um, so what, how, how do we adapt in that modern world where it's so busy? I think we have stopped making choices. That's the biggest problem that we've done. We have stopped making choices for ourselves we think and believe that we have to be a part of everything in case of this FOMO fear of missing out now my advice to anyone I haven't posted much since December because I've chosen 
that I do not need to be in the rat race 24 hours, but I am still connected. I still have my radio show available, which is on itch.fm and that's with music. And then I have my podcast, which is still going. Um, and I've decided, you know, in April, this is where I'm going to reemerge and continue the work. But it's important to understand that you do not have to do what everyone tells you to do. The amount of YouTube videos of people trying to promote themselves as coaches and you can make 50,000 by following my methods and, you know, uh, for women who are de depressed and you can't find love. It's just like we I always, I've always said this. We didn't know we needed an iPhone until Steve Jobs created it. Right. I don't I don't use I don't use Apple because I don't feel like I need to be pressured into more things. And we've got to start controlling our environment rather than letting the environment control us. We are in an in a world where, yes, everything is really fast paced. There's a lot of information coming out, but have a digital detox. And also, if you do have a digital detox, my one recommendation is to watch The Social Dilemma. <laughs> yeah. That is one of the best educational pieces for 2021. If you feel like you are running so fast, your feet are not touching the ground, but you're not also achieving your goals. Because just because we're living in a fast world, remember, we're still primitive individuals. We, st we are still humans. We still don't have the mental capacity to go as fast as an algorithm. So again, you've got to look at life and say, okay, I'm going to choose today not to use social media. I'm going to take a break or I'm going to just, if you're a coach like me, go on, I go on various podcasts. I'm going to choose a certain month where I'm only going to be on podcasts and I'm not going to record my show because it's always playing on air and also on um, the podcast platforms, but make choices, create your year. So you know when you're going to have a break. Because if you don't have a break, you'll have a breakdown. <laughs> so it's down, to, it's down to you what you choose. And this is why I say, keep it simple. Don't overdo it. Look at smart strategies to get business. There's so many new platforms now for coaches to um, put information out about who they are. If you are really what you say you are, start writing um, pieces for LinkedIn, Psychology Today, so many different platforms are looking for writers if you're that good a coach. But this is where you're going to challenge yourself and to really, really see if you are as good as you say you are. 100%. Just something as simple as, you know, when uh, I saw my phone the other day, it's on Saturday morning, I had various bits of DIY to do around the house. And there was a temptation every time I walked past the kitchen to go to, to the pick phone. And I was just like, no. Conscious decision, just no phone day today, and um, it's, it's like one of my what I hate to admit it, it's one of my wife's biggest bugbears is me and my, my relationship with my phone. But again, just you know, and I I never that never comes to bed with me either. That always lives downstairs overnight, and um, it it just allows me to free my mind. It means I'm not switched on like first thing in the morning. So and last thing at night as well, you know, checking emails before you go to bed. Cause mm. I think about it this way. Imagine, imagine if, I don't know, for whatever reason, something, I don't know, pops up in your inbox that maybe is negative. You, you're going to be going to bed with that thought Energy. process mm. or first thing in the morning. Again, it's, it's negative as well. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears just ever so slightly. Cause I know that obviously we talked about sort of money mindset as well. Um, last time we caught up. So yeah. how important is that as well within the work which you do? Money is, I was having this conversation <clears throat> earlier, you have to discuss money. Money Without money, you can't function. Um, money is energy, right? 
if you are someone who does believe in the spiritual side of life, which I do believe in, you will understand, you know, your root chakra and what that does in order to be your foundation of how you cope with life, like your maso hierarchy of needs. If you look at the basic needs, we all need to eat, sleep in a really comfortable bed, um, shower, all of that. So when it comes to money, you need to also value your time as a coach. How much are you going to invest and what is the value of everything you've done to date in order to meet the need of that person's desires? So as a coach, one of the things that I do encourage people is don't be scared to set a price that is affordable, but also you've got to target the right clientele. One of the things is people think if they just tell a few people I'm a coach, that's going to get them their business. How you like you said earlier, Robin, how you show up can highlight how much people are willing to pay. How you communicate what your website looks like, how people refer back to you. This is all encompassing how much your value is as a coach. Money mindset as a business. If you have no goals to actually have any profit, then you might as well decide not to be a coach because you are your business. And in, in addition to that, money is not just physical. Your health is your wealth. So being an overweight, and don't take this the wrong way, anyone who's overweight, because I'm not disrespecting anyone who's overweight because there could be people with health issues. But if you're lazy, you eat all the wrong food, you drink a lot, you don't respect the money that you bring into, into your environment. You also don't respect yourself. You can agree to disagree. That's fine. I just have a way of living. I mean, if, well, if we were in a normal day and age, I'll be in a gym at 6 a.m. If I can get in earlier, I would. You know, I will train. I will eat well. I will be my best self for that person because you're as good as your last gig. That is a very, very English thing to say. So if you really think about, you know, what, what is your intrinsic values, it will be demonstrated by your extrinsic motivations. And money is, is not a bad thing. And we've got to stop thinking when we talk about money, it, you're being superficial. It's good to talk about money because we can talk about going to the latest restaurant. How are you going to afford to get to the latest restaurant if you don't have any money? How are you going to advertise if you don't have any money? Think about if you're a um, self-employed coach, there are loads of grants out there that can support you in different regions of the UK. If you need a bounce back loan, if you're doing your self-assessment, I don't know, this scheme that the government has, if you are a coaching business, you're on furlough, you, have, you need money to survive. You also need money to get people to do things that you potentially don't have the time to do. And I think, Robin, we've spoke about having assistance and stuff like that. Now, when you are a coach and you're growing, reinvest into yourself, okay? That level of reinvestment, we keep saying to people, invest in yourself, invest in yourself, but is the coach that you are, are you thinking of how you reinvest into yourself? Because I keep money is not always material. Your wealth is not always material. It's about how you think, how you overcome obstacles. That is what adds value to your wealth, not just financials. So when we talk, you spoke earlier about, you know, the soft skills. So without soft skills, you won't have the capacity to build a business. 
if you don't have empathy, you don't have consideration, you don't have understanding. That's your that is your 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 monetary value, right? That's your currency. Your knowledge is your currency. So, like you said as well, in when you're in sessions. Sometimes I'm using one methodology and I will change that methodology to something else because this isn't working for that person. But intuitively, you've got to know when to shift because when, when you shift, your, your coachee shifts. You stay the same, you will get no results. That feeling of the coachee at the end of your session is when they realize there was value in what they spent because you can feel the internal shift. So money is an array of different things or wealth is an array of different things as a coach. But don't be scared to take a chance on yourself financially. And if it means you need to spend five grand to spend with you for three or five months, spend the money and get the assistance that you need to be a better coach. Yeah, 100%. I mean, how many coaches do we know out there who don't have coaches themselves? And I always think that there's a, it's a reflection of that, like you said, their own internal value system. If they can't even put a price on like how much um, they're willing to spend on their own personal development and, and improvement and learning. And I always find though that those, those are exactly the same coaches that are also there set, struggling basically financially and saying, oh, I can't find anybody to sell to, like nobody but wants to buy my coaching program. And it's because they, they haven't fixed that internal, you know, whatever's going on inside. So I always find as well that, um, you know, a coaches or, or any service providers ability, lack of ability to be able to articulate the value and put an offer out there and actually ask for some money, again, it's like a massive reflection on the fact that they haven't done enough work on themselves yet to be able to kind of see the, the amazing value which they can actually deliver. Um, Definitely. And so, yeah. you know, so I, I, I and it, it's it's really funny. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but there's a book called, um, it's this one here, Detox, Declutter and Dominate by Perry no. Marshall. Have you read that? It's, it's no. a great, it's 36 pages long. So it's super short, but it's like a big sort of workbook size. But in it, he talks about something called an espresso machine, right? And it, um, the espresso machine, sorry, something's just got up with my camera. Um, the espresso machine, basically, in, in the business analogy is that um, most, most coaches will go cheap because it's safe. Okay, but Starbucks know that one day somebody's going to walk in and then they're going to go, I'll have my latte, please. I'll have some um, coffee beans. And can I have that espresso machine on the countertop? Because I want that Starbucks experience at home. Nobody would associate Starbucks with like um, somebody buying an espresso machine from you. You wouldn't walk into a Starbucks, but they know that probably for every 100,000 people, there is one raving fan in there who will spend 64 times the price of a a latte to, to be able to have that experience at home. And I think like so many coaches don't have an espresso machine on show. They go, they sell 50 bucks an hour, like sessions or hundred bucks an hour sessions, um, you know, or, or day rates or whatever. Um, but they're not there saying I've got a 5k package or a 10k package or even a 25k package because they don't have that confidence that there is one person out there who would buy it. And I'd, I'd encourage, you know, every coach, consultant, freelance to get to a point whereby 
you, you're confident enough to sell something that's like of absolutely remarkable value. And I, I think it's like 1% of people would probably ever take me up on that. But don't you think that's based off of their confidence levels? Oh, massively. And, and yeah. that's, this is why when we talk about, you know, the industry, you were right from the very beginning. There's a lot of people saying they're coaches, but are they really coaches or are they just there to be someone's mate and hope for the best? Because I always say to people, when people are talking to me about, I don't know, certain types of problems, there's things that as a coach you shouldn't be involved in because you're not a therapist. This is where you need to refer people to therapy. Coaching shouldn't be a three-year program. Coaching should be six to 12-month program. And that's it. If a coach is doing more than that and you're someone who's paying for coaching, you need to really reconsider what this coach is trying to do. Because if it's about them keeping you on long-term for sustainability for their lifestyle, then they're not the right coach. And this is why the espresso machine is never going to be purchased because you're always going to get a cup of coffee. You're never going to buy the espresso machine because I fooled you into saying that you need more sessions. You know, when I've heard, listened to a lot of shows and people say, I've, I've been with my therapist for seven years why do you need a therapist for seven years? Have you not learned how the techniques or what has the therapist, why has the therapist decided to keep you dependent on their words? So this is where coaching, if you really think you're a good coach, you should be able to coach someone so well, give them a short amount of sessions. They have changed their life so much that people are asking them what has happened to you. That's what you want. What happened to you? Yeah. You know, your coaches need to be, their example of success needs to be credited to your methodology. 100%. I would rather be poor, homeless and destitute than take a coaching client's money unnecessarily when they don't need it. And I think that's that's a challenge. Most, you know, that's, that's where you get into the realms of like... Um, uh, ethical codes of conduct and, and morals. Now, most people are ethical, moral, upstanding human beings. And, and I always have this uh, sort of, um, um, uh, what do you call it, debate with people over certifications versus experience. Because um, I, I have, a, I, yeah, I've got a, um, a, a, I actually have a Bachelor of Science in business, believe it or not, because I did a part, um, I, I did business studies with um, multimedia. Yeah. Um, but I've been in business for 20 years. That's that's my certification. That's my experience. But, um, uh, you know, whereas a lot of people would kind of argue that you need to have certain um, certifications in order to get the big bucks. But for me, it's about results. If I can't get a result with that client, I won't take their money. It's as simple as I- that. I agree and disagree. I agree with you in the sense that you have to have results, but also think that because what I was struggling with, yes, I've been coaching longer than you have, but I was always hitting a brick wall and thinking, I know there's more to this, but I don't even understand what that is. So when I went for my MA in coaching, I was like, now I get it. This is where I'm, I'm, and that's what's allowed me to grow and be a better Get better coach because yeah. you've got to know within yourself as a coach when you're missing your, your the missing pieces there yeah. you can't you can't you the thing the thing is we have so many if we think about people like bernie madoff right a man who has successfully you know fleeced people out of millions and millions of pounds because he believed in having a certain lifestyle he didn't necessarily care about you but he believed in having a certain lifestyle. Now, there's a lot of Bernie Madoffs in coaching, right? It's unfortunate we can't imprison most of them. <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've got to remember that when we've got people like that, that who exist, 
we have to do the groundwork. We have to ask certain questions. And I think asking questions to a coach, like not necessarily what's your background, because people are always impressed by my background. It's about what is it you're looking for? That's what I would ask you as a coach. You've got to ask them, how can you help me get to where I'm, I'm going? What is it you've done that has helped other people? What has happened to them when they've transitioned into where they want to go? Because the background, like you said, the results, but also learning about what um, methodologies you may have been missing in doing that CPD is really going to add value to your coaching practice. You cannot be a coach without doing the work. You just, yeah. it's impossible. And you've got to mix both. But also, I would also say to you, get a coaching supervisor or get people to give you feedback. I yeah. always ask for feedback from my clients and I always say to them, is there anything you didn't like about how I conducted today's session? Because 100%. it's not about what you liked. Because what you like is easy. We can talk about, I like ice cream, I like going on holidays. But we, how often do we, and how many people on Instagram show you their worst day? We never talk about what isn't working. And I think if you can be vulnerable as a coach, I keep saying this, the vulnerability aspect will allow you to be a better coach. And if you've ever seen the film Antoine Fisher with um, Denzel Washington, and it's a true life story, he was a therapist where the young man who came who was troubled, he didn't speak. He didn't want to talk. So we just sat there and gave him that safe space to just sit for an hour and then go. But he said that he learned to be a better therapist because he started to ask different questions rather than just the normal coaching questions. So how can I help you? What do you want to change? Yeah. You, you've got to try and be a little bit more out there. Everyone is very safe. You know, I sat on a coaching um session with a US coach and he all these other coaches joined the conversation and they coached someone live on the air and they just used well-formed questions that was it but everyone was like oh my god it's so amazing and I was just thinking are these people sick I don't mean in a horrible way but it's it's an if you're a coach you shouldn't be shocked by what this coach is doing yeah this is this is part of who we are this is the the nature of our work and if we are surprised that somebody is using well-formed questions and i was just like yeah it's well-formed and everyone's like oh my god i like the way he drew this information out of her i'm just like okay all this information is available to every single person in this in this forum why is it a shock what he's doing so yeah. this is this is why i know that people don't do extra training people don't push themselves and then they look at someone like you robin and think i want to be like robin and, and, and have a pod well, podcast and i've said this to you before they don't know the blood sweat and tears that you've had to go <laughs> through right and i can guarantee you, your wife when there was 60p in the bank account your wife wasn't looking at you with all smiles and and radiance she wanted to kick you in the head because she's like when is this thing going to take off and this is what yeah. people don't realize for if you want to be a successful coach you might be not making it for at least 15 years and then one day one day you get the right client or the right exposure or you're on the right podcast and bobs your uncle don't give up on yourself i know i'm a fantastic coach i'm not exactly where i want to be but i do the work yes and i work with other coaches i build programs with them and we have fun that's another thing coaches need to do is learn to have fun in their sessions 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, um, it's, it's you've touched upon something else there as well about kind of joining up with other coaches. So one of the one of the key things that we do in Fearless is like, but you know, I recognise my limitations. I, I have to stay in my lane. You know, I know what I do really well, mm. uh, but but my group wanted more of the mindset stuff. So and I was like, I'm sorry, but I can't give that to you. I'm not the right person for that. And we actually brought in a um, qualified coach to deal with the mindsets, you know, so that they could have a weekly mindset call alongside my call. And again, it's that yin and the yang, just having, having a mix of the both, but it's not all about, it's not the Robin Waite show. And I think that a lot, again, I mean, it comes back to ego. I don't want to, but we'll hit it home. I think a lot of coaches get very caught up in their own stuff. You, you, you've got to let people, I, when I do my, my show, I have a lot of guests and there's a guy that I used to work with in television a thousand years ago because I just use really good moisturizer so I don't look as old as I sound. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and me and him, we do, sh- we do he, lo- he loves coming on my show and he started his own podcast. I'm really happy for him. Um, and he said that I just love the concept because I have a radio show that's with music. Da, 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 da. But I like to hear the things that he talks about. When we talk about narcissism, he talks about things that I wouldn't necessarily phrase the same way. But it's really interesting as well when you have someone from different race, different gender, they bring so much differences to your to your show or to your um, sessions because people are learning the same thing in a different way. And remember, just because you don't speak a certain way with certain people, if you work with someone, what they say may land differently to what you say and may penetrate that person or the coachee in a style or fashion that works for them. And we've got to remember that, like you said, you know, teamwork does make the dream work. I like working and collaborating because you learn new skills. There's one coach, she works, she's actually a wealth manager, but she's also a coach for money. And um, one of the things she shows me is how to be very calm. I don't even know if she's got a pulse sometimes, but <laughs> and I, I laugh at her because I'm like, do you ever get upset? You know, is there anything going on in there? And then she's like, oh my God, then she goes off. But it's nice to watch the calmness because when she's talking, she's so relaxed and it just, the information just lands on me differently. And then you have other coaches that are very dramatic and you're like, I like the energy, but you've got to be open to receiving. You know, it's like love. You cannot give what you don't have as a coach. You can't, you can't say I'm a great coach and it doesn't work for you. When I get emails about, you know, Sandra, this has happened in my life or this has changed. or I'm sitting there thinking, my goodness, this is amazing. All I want to know is that has this helped you in some capacity? Yeah. And where are you now? That is for me what coaching is about, the transformation. 100%. I couldn't, couldn't agree more with you. Sandra, we're already over time, so we're going to have okay. to wrap up. I may have to, I'll have to get maybe get you back on for another episode in the future, um, yeah, just so sure. we can wrap up our conversation. Definitely. And um, I'm sure um, everybody should go and check out Sandra's podcast, which is, um, it's on Buzzsprout, isn't it? The, Mel- yeah. the, the Millennial Coaches podcast. Yeah. Um, and how else can people get hold of you, Sandra? I'm on Instagram, da.millennial.coach. Um, I'm on Facebook, The Millennial Coach. And I am on Twitter, but I very rarely use Twitter. So I want to forgive myself in advance <laughs> if anyone tries to join me. I'm on Instagram more. Um, and you, as, as you said, you can catch me on um, Apple, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, 
on all of the platforms for podcasts. So I'm there. It's called The Core with me, The Millennial Coach. The Core. Perfect. We'll make sure that we share a link to that in the show notes as well, Sandra. So I've got my final question for you as well. I feel like all of a sudden I'm going to swing a curveball in at you after our amazing chat. But um, so we're uh, going to jump into the Fearless Business time machine for a moment and you get to punch in the date and we're going to go back to that date. So what year is it and what message do you have for Sandra? The year is 1990 and I'm about to start secondary school. I would say be less serious, explore your creativity, have more fun and don't have things set in stone. Quite a powerful message. But if that was the case back in 1990, do you think Sandra would have been the same person now and with the same level of impact? What differences do you think you might have made? I think I'd be different in a way where I would have been more explorative and I am explorative, but there are some fears that I'm still working through about, you know, just upping and packing my bags and leaving the country. Um, It's hard work shifting from country to country. I can tell you that it's not like going down to Manchester. So um, I do think there would be some differences, but I don't know if the struggles I've had would have made me as strong as I am. Yeah. Because I don't know if I'd have experienced those. So I think yes and no. Yeah. Well, I think you're a fantastic coach. I think you're creating such a difference as well to the people that you work with. So I congratulate and acknowledge you on that. And then, um, and it's been an absolute pleasure. I know we've had a couple of chats and we will have to get you back on because I feel there's so much more that you've got to give as well, Sandra. So really appreciate you coming on the show. Likewise. And thank you for having me. And hello to everyone watching Fearless. I hope that you've enjoyed today's show. 